This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island, and I have a question for you. Could it be that you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream? This is a top pocket find, mate, for sure. All right, we are back. Hey, John Edwards in hey. the uh, shotgun tonight. How you doing tonight, John? Hey, great. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing pretty good. Let me turn it up just a little bit so people can hear you better. All right, there we go. Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm really excited. I tell you, you know, talking about Skinwalker Ranch and watching the television show, um, I, I, I tell you, for those of you that have not really watched every single episode in depth, you really need to. This is one place that has so many different and just weird things going on. I mean, what do you think, John? Is this not a crazy place? A lot of it. So it's just unexplainable. And when you start looking at yeah. the anomalies, when you start looking at it scientifically and, and, you know, it defies science or suddenly algorithms are being reprogrammed or removed. I mean, that just, how does that yeah. happen? You know, and, and we, I, we I talk don't. about it. I mean, and you know, or the triangle area, there's so much going on there. That's just unexplained by science, you know, and, and I know the, the, um, uh, the scientists on on uh, Skinwalker are trying their best to define what's happening, but oh, it's undefinable. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you define that? And you know, being a person of science, it's just amazing that you know they haven't pinpointed what's going on there. There's something going on there. There's no doubt, or multiple oh, things going on. There's multiple things. That's what I was just going to say. Or multiple things going on, and trying to figure out what they are, and trying to figure out ways to capture them while they're happening has got to be. Uh, frustrating and interesting Absolutely. at times for the guys but i wanted to give a few shout outs to the folks showing up sure. here tonight um before we get into it real deep carol's here with us alessandra Nadavari, thank you for coming by tonight michelle karen wow tom burns is out there and of course we have jan and linda working hard in the uh, chat tonight taking care of uh, matters on both sides of the uh, the chat tonight we appreciate you very very much um let's see darlene dale kearney's out there hey dale karen hey. howard Let's see. Uh, on the YouTube side, who we got? Uh, Kathy. Amy's here. Hi, Amy. I saw Paula was right in there real quick. And so is Sandal Ray, I think, was the first one that <laughs> logged in tonight. <laughs> I think he was the very first one. Awesome. And Jan's here. Bass Anderson. Yeah. Anthony Castle. All right. A lot of, lot of great. Thank you guys for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, you really are. Because, you know, we, we as you know, I've been advertising that... Uh, uh, the one and only uh, Thomas Winterton was going to be on the show tonight, um, and he's brought along a, a friend. Uh, so I tell you what, without further ado, let's bring them both on right now. All right, so there's Thomas and Eric Bard. Guys, thank you for coming. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, hey. What a treat. I tell you what. And, you know, as I was telling everybody that you know, what we do is we go through and we recap an episode. We try to do our best to, you know, give it the due. But, you know, as Thomas and I have talked about before, so much of these uh, ep the episodes, so much of the filming ends up on the cutting room floor or somewhere in a storage room. We only get to see a very, very small portion of what is actually filmed. And that's why it's so great to have you guys here to help us dig in a little deeper with much what we don't know, the things we don't know, right? So I'm really yeah. happy you guys <laughs> You know, I'll, so, I'll expound on that so just a little bit for you. 
-hmm. we, we actually, we did the math to this. So the oh. amount of film that we put in the can, as they call it, versus mm -hmm. the amount that makes it on TV comes out mathematically uh, less than 1%. So just to really? give you an idea. Of wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're looking at about 0 0.87 to 0.89% of what we bank. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I can believe it. You know, I really can because, uh, you know, with, you know, dealing with, you know, other TV shows like Curse of Oak Island and that, it's really the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's so many times we get people in our, in our Facebook group and, and, uh, here on the, this channel, we get people asking us, you know, um, well, what about this? Well, why didn't they do that? Or, oh, they should have done this. And chances are you guys did do that. Um, it's just that it didn't make the air for whatever reason. So that's, that's, what's nice to have, uh, you guys come on and, and be able to talk about this. Um, one other thing that I wanted to show. Um, and as you can, oops, I'm trying to make something clear here. As you can see, I have my, uh, my official t-shirt on here tonight. I am a official member oh. of the, uh, Thomas Winterton, Eric Bard fan club. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm an official member, <laughs> uh, and glad to be one. I tell you what, no folks, this is for, um, I am a member of their website and their group that's on the website. It is skinwalker-ranch.com and then they have an insider and i'll tell you what i'm going to show some picture of it you know for the audience to see but if you guys don't mind to talk about it a little bit who first of all whose idea was was this website <laughs> well you know i guess it depends on when you start the clock on that question you know uh originally <laughs> going back to like 2016 2017 you know when when i when i inherited the job by default of of, of uh parsing all of the video data, it didn't take long for me to come to the conclusion that maybe it would be a good idea to get some more eyes on the, uh, on the actual footage, you know, everything that we mm -hmm. are recording through each and every one of those cameras. So you could say that the origins of the website goes back to the very beginning of our program. As soon as we started doing uh, uh, observational science, um, that's when, you know, at mm -hmm. least on my part, it was a yearning to get more, more eyes on the problem. But as far as what you see now on the website, that's really been kind of something that has evolved in our discussion over at least the last two or three years. Yeah, it, it, it's been a collaboration, but I, I remember clear back to the beginning. Matter of fact, in the early days, uh, you know, we were we were keeping all this footage and putting it on drives. And uh, and I would have to come out here and switch these drives for Eric. We were filling, was it eight terabytes a month that we were filling up? It was just about that. Yeah, about eight terabytes. So, you know, an external wow. drive kind you can just wow. go pick up. And uh, it's a lot. And I remember then Eric saying, this is way too much for any one person to go through. And, and, yep. you, and you can get the best AI in the world, but nothing replaces the human element of watching and, and going through that. And so I remember him years ago advocating for some type of a forum that we could we could enlist the help of others to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you approach. what they have. I was going yeah, to say ahead, it's I'm a sorry. very different one that we that we follow. You know, obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, uh, references being made to the work that that went before our time, but we don't we don't have that footage, right? And so ours is a is a much more transparent, I guess you'd say, um, opportunity. Yeah, and I was going to show if you don't mind, I'm going to show a little bit of it here. Uh, so people can see this. Uh, okay, this is uh, now I'm I'm logged in here, and this is my uh, my account, the Insider Command Center. 
uh, which is really cool. And as you see right there, initially you see, check out the latest from the ranch. And if you click on this watch now, this is just one of the many things you guys can do on it. They have Q and a live Q and A's that you can join. Uh, all it just, there's a lot to do here. So if you're really, truly interested in wow. what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch, you have to, you have to check this out. You really do. Um, here they've got the camera feed and this particular camera feed is live. I, I'm not going to click on the, uh, the, uh, the YouTube button right there in the middle, uh, because I'm on a limited bandwidth here and I don't want to uh, take it up. But as you can see, these are live camera feeds from four different positions or places around Skinwalker Ranch. Um, so yeah, talk, talk about this a little bit if you can, and you don't mind. Where are these actually located well, and what were, I mean, we're looking down across the Mesa there, right? Yes. I, I love that view, by the way, you're, you're seeing, the, you know, the stitching of two, two camera feeds uh, at the top. Uh, you see yeah. the, the top of the Mesa, which, you know, we, that, that, that uh, geography right at, on the top of the Mesa is, is what folks refer to as the path of the skinwalker. And, uh, oh, okay. and then of course you see the, the low lying fields uh, there's, you're looking at the East field and uh, in the lower left-hand corner, of course, is the, the homestead one area or the command center. Um, now in, uh -huh. in the, uh, in the, in the bottom two uh, images, uh, you're looking at uh, some a view of the Western uh, portion of the property. Uh, you might notice in the lower right portion of the lower left panel, uh, one of the structures that was left here uh, by the NIDS and Bass researchers, uh, Mr. Bigelow, had some of these dog runs. Uh, colloquially, uh -huh. we've referred to them as bait pins or observation points. So you see one of those there. And, of course, right. it's, a, it's just so beautiful. And it, you, you've got a, another view of uh, from one of the other assets in the West there on the lower mm -hmm. right. And, in fact, on the very lower right, uh, you see the interior of Homestead 2, which is an infamous location for a lot of unusual activity. Yeah, that place is truly, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens over there. And and I tell you, folks, you can watch this live. There's people chatting as this is happening. You can see the chat here. So you can chat with other members um, and you see it popping up. They're all talking right now um, about what they're watching. So if you want to be able to capture something now, if they do see something, where do they, do they just tell it in the chat or do they, is there a way that somebody can say, Hey, we saw an anomaly fly by. I mean, how do they go about telling you? You know, it's, it's been remarkable exactly as I expected and probably exceeding my expectations uh, sort of out of this, out of this uh, community of what uh, we refer to them as insiders of which you are one. Um, it's sort of organically what has come forward uh, is a, a, uh, a time-stamped, record-keeping, uh, I think, uh, very disciplined approach. Where if if individuals spot something uh, uh, exceptional, uh, you know, it could it could just be something environmental, or it could be something yeah. exactly of the nature that we're researching. And what they do is 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 uh, they can notify me directly. There's a an email address which is the pi at or like like letter p little letter i at skinwalker-ranch.com. Um, they've also been submitting them, uh, sharing them in, uh, in other, in, amongst themselves by other means. And, uh, as, and one of the remarkable things that has emerged out of that effort is a, um, a, a spreadsheet. You know, we've been seeing, wow. uh, uh, events being logged. I mean, gosh, this is, it's so wonderful to take advantage of both human discernment and the bandwidth of all these folks who are willing to spend mm. hours watching and doing exactly what I've been doing since, since the beginning. 
And uh, so, so I guess there's more than one channel for uh, for uh, sharing information on this. But of course, I prefer the the one that I first mentioned. Right. So right, you say you exactly. keep a spreadsheet of this, correct? Has Has there been um, any well, patterns? You know, that have... Go ahead. There's a there's a uh, so so one of our insiders uh, on on her own initiative uh -huh. began uh, uh, keeping a log, which then became the spreadsheet that I'm referring to, uh, mm -hmm. with you know which camera because you see the the labels of the cameras like EN01 or NX01 mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. and you see timestamps and 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 a brief description. That is exactly the kind of uh, vigil Amazing. that I was hoping for would be interested in keeping. It's just remarkable. Has there been any patterns that have emerged from the spreadsheet as of yet, or is it still too early to tell? Did you say patterns? Patterns, yes. Like uh, certain times, uh, certain, you know, is there any I, patterns to the data at this point? That's an excellent question. I think it's a bit early for me okay. to, to say. I, I mean, there's this is all still very formative. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but but certainly, I guess it's 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 probably a reflection of human nature as much as anything else that we tend to be more vigilant uh, and tuned in at night in this context. Um, so we get so I guess of one of the the very um, uh, basic patterns is that we do get a lot of events being uh, flagged uh, in the in the mm -hmm. night sky or or there awesome. at, at near ground level. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, this is this is really cool. And I tell you, and, and I'm, you know, I do this at, uh, sometimes that I, of course, hopefully nobody from my uh, employer is watching right now, but <laughs> while, I, while I'm working, sometimes I'll have a monitor up and I can kind of watch as I'm working and talking on the phone and I'll be watching over there for anomalies. You know, you know, when you had, uh, oh man, I've forgotten his name all of a sudden, the uh, elderly gentleman, he was a, he's a, he was a, uh, a, a, Colonel or something, and he was—he's uh, been on the ranch a couple of times, um, and he was—he—he's the one that saw the—and I describe it as the movie Predator when he was the Predator was cloaked and it made this, you know, um, when he moved, it actually made like a distortion in the air. It's a distortion of what, light around the object. It's cloaked. Yeah, and so that's it distorts what the, around I think, it. Yeah, I think it Colonel, he talked about that, and mm -hmm. that just fascinates me. I keep watching these because I want to see that and go, look, there it is walking along. It's amazing. We, we know, Jeff, we know our military has it already. They have a diffusion of light around the objects. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you've yep. seen it's on YouTube and other places, but I would love to see it there, you know, and actually captured there because it's just amazing stuff. Well, you know, who's responsible for that and where does it come from? You know, yep. Cer mm -hmm. certainly no one on the, the ranch is responsible for that. Is it military? Is it, you know, otherworldly? You don't know, but, you know, it's just amazing stuff it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Linda helped me out there. Cause she, knows, she's always there to help me when I'm stumbling around. Yeah. Colonel John Anderson retired. Yes. He retired. Colonel John Alexander. Uh, he's he has, yep. yeah. He's a fascinating man. Yeah. i tell you what, uh, but to have him and I, that's one of the things about this season I thought was so neat that you brought uh, two elements that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. One element was bringing, um, uh, people that worked for Bigelow onto the ranch and having them to be able to talk about opening up because, you know, they were probably held under some sort of an NDA where they couldn't talk about stuff. But now you've had a couple of them come on this year and you've also reached out um, with Jim Morris going out and talking to people in the field, locals and bringing them, them in and talking about the things that they have uh, experienced. And I think that's fascinating um, mm. because as Thomas and I talked, and I've heard you mention it before, but 
what's happening in the Uintah Basin is not confined to the fence. You know, I mean, to the when Skinwalker Ranch, it's not confined to the fence, right? It's of that whole region is things happening. Based on the stories that are being reported to us by literally dozens and dozens, I mean, probably wow. over a hundred people now to me personally, wow. uh, it, it would indicate that there are strange things happening across the entire UN basin. Wow. Now, yep. I do believe that there are some of the things that are uh, localized here at the ranch, but obviously, uh -huh. you know, the UFO sightings and some of these these paranormal events have been reported basin wide. Yep. Yeah. Some of the anomalies, yeah, are, you know, spec go ahead, sir. I was just I was going to add to what Thomas was saying. You know, I think. What makes the ranch exceptional is just the fact that both qualitatively and quantitatively, we seem to have more of a, a concentration of the, the very different kinds of phenomena or experiences, visceral experiences, you know, right here on the property. But, you know, I like mm. the way Thomas puts it. I don't think the phenomenon respects the, uh, the fence boundaries at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very true. But like you say, yeah, some of the, um, you know, that when you have the spectrum analyzer going or magnetometer, or any type of the, the specialized equipment, um, and then you're seeing these anomalies and the, the registering, like, and also the radiation, when you get the spikes of radiation, the yes. one like that, yes. did it knock out that bulldozer or not? You know, what, what happened with that bulldozer? All of a sudden it died. And you, and Eric, I believe you had gotten that, uh, received that big spike all of a sudden, right? In the command center. You yeah, it may be helpful to, to, to explain a little bit about how that measurement was collected. You know, after that very strange uh, experience with the, with the bulldozer, you, you, you weren't digging deep, right? You were just barely skimming the top. And this thing bogs down, right? It just shut down. Yeah, the plan was to dig that trench. We'd got reports that Bigelow had dug trenches out there with the, with the bulldozer. And there was a bulldozer on the property when we purchased it. And so, um, you know, it wasn't in, it wasn't in, working condition and we sold it right. got it off the ranch. But uh, the, the idea was to replicate what they did because they had reported that when they dug over there, it caused, you know, anomalies, a phenomenon to happen over here on the east side. So uh -huh. because we don't have data or we don't, they haven't given us any evidence to back up any claim. Um, the only thing we can do is take these, these reports that we've gotten for sometimes from third and fourth hand sources and try to replicate it ourselves to see if there's any truth to it. And that was the plan here. And I just barely taken the grass off the top. And I, I mean, this is a powerful machine. And, and I've, right. I've personally, I've spent, uh, I've spent hundreds of hours on a dozer. I'm very familiar with dozers. And mm -hmm. on my second or third half, when the thing just bogged down and died and, and then immediately had a dead battery. And, you know, I'll give you a little bit of, I'll give you guys a little bit of the backstory on that dozer. So he okay. brings, we, we have this dozer delivered that morning, uh -huh. gets it off the trailer and sh is showing me, you know, kind of the, the operation of it. Each dozer has got its own little quirks and stuff yep. Yep. and, uh, and parks it here by the command center and uh, gets, we get down off the dozer. And then he remembered one more thing he wanted to show me. So we climb back up in the dozer and he goes to start it and dead battery. Now batteries were dead that morning when he uh -huh. brought the dozer down. So him and his, his help had run down to the parts store, picked up all, a whole new set of batteries, put them in the dozer. Okay. 
and and brought it down. So here these brand new batteries as of that morning, uh, and and they're dead. So he he we we need this dozer. We're going to be filming quick. So yeah. they they jerk the batteries out. They run into Napa or CarQuest wherever they got the batteries. Yep. They burn it back with a brand new set of batteries. Put the batteries in the unit. So those batteries, we then, you know, that gets the machine started. We drive it across the ranch. We get ready to start digging. And then, of course, it bogs down and dies. And guess what? It's telling us that the batteries are dead. Now, you instantly think, oh, well, it's got a short on it or something, you know, something's malfunctioning. These batteries were dead beyond being able to bring them back. So he took, the funny thing is, he takes this second set of batteries to less than like four or five hours back to the parts store. And they literally told him, they're like, what the heck are you doing? And, and <laughs> they told him, this is your last set of batteries that we're warranting. So mm. he got the third set out, got the dozer off the place. And one last interesting snippet with that dozer, uh, that dozer has a GPS unit on it. That helps mm -hmm. them track where it's at when it's out. I mean, I mean, we're in a vast oil field out here, right? Yeah. And so yep. uh, the GPS sensor quit transponding the second they pulled onto the road for the ranch. And and you know, poor Jake, he just like okay, I can I can see these equipment operators like they're getting hesitant to like we don't want to bring you our equipment because you guys just destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have an extra large insurance fee uh, added onto it uh, so they actually get it back in working condition. You know, and that's that's the thing that, you know, it, it seems like so many times. I mean, going back to season one, every time we turn around, there's another piece of electronic equipment malfunctioning. Caleb's uh, iPhone. And that was just amazing oh, to watch that, that thing was, scrambling mm. through numbers, dialing all these numbers and changing screens and just going so fast. You couldn't do it that fast on your own. I mean, things like that were just like, what the heck is that's when it really, you know, boggles the mind of what is truly going on out there and draining batteries. I mean, that's, uh, we've heard that in a lot of different types of paranormal and, you know, uh, you, UFO you know, experiences, you know, UFO experiences. Absolutely. Um, Suddenly a, wow. a UAP appears above you and your car so, batteries. Dead. Three times. I yeah, mean, I, I, I'd like to jump in on that. You know, because as coincidence would have it, you know, I, I put myself through graduate school working for a company that, uh, that made, among other things, battery charge management systems. Mm -hmm. So I actually designed, I ran a battery test lab as a, as a grad student. And uh, I'm familiar with the kinds of things that can happen with our with the, both the batteries and the connected circuit. Um, mm -hmm. And so one of the interesting and I think obvious questions, if you get that close to the subject, is are we looking at a failure of the battery itself? Or are we looking at the charge management system? You know, is it being spoofed into thinking that it's dead? Well, we have both kinds of, of pathologies here. So we have EMI or electromagnetic interference taking place, which I think mm -hmm. in some cases mm -hmm. is ruining that circuitry. But we also have the batteries themselves, uh, in some cases, uh, showing up, you know, essentially electrically inside out. Wow. And that's like Thomas said, you can't charge it at that point. It's done. It's a, it's toast. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it won't take a charge. And, yeah. and, you know, these dozers are taking these great big and, and it's not one battery. I can't remember how many that dozer takes, but it's like three or four batteries uh -huh. that are all, you know, in parallel. So right. we're talking about a significant electrical system being drained 
almost instantly. Yeah, that got my uh, attention right away. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Eric, Eric, question for Eric. Eric, is there any natural phenomena that would cause a battery to drain like that? Anything in nature that would cause that to drain? Or is it definitely in your, that, in that, your opinion? That is the right question. That's really the right question. You know, I, I kind of joke, you know, yeah. I, I figure it'll be vulnerable if I, if I come up with something catching up that I, that I can say in, in reference to could nature be doing it? And my, my, my sort of joke is, well, nature's got talent. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe we can make a spinoff. Um, but, uh, you know, we could be looking at, at least I, when I began working on the problem set, of course, as a physicist, I'm looking for, if not prosaic treatment, at least something that's a combination of natural influences like uh, some geophysical uh, process that generates yeah. mm -hmm. uh, transient magnetic fields. And there's a whole history yeah. to that, you know, which is, you know, a big part of, of my experience of looking at magnetic interference in particular. Mm -hmm. EMI, obviously, with a lot of different kinds of equipment being interfered with, you're looking for something that perhaps you've got yes. movement of uh, uh, so something with the, the, the uh, say, seismic activity, something electrical in the ground. You know, we talk a lot about um, the possible relevance of things like gilsonite in the area. You know, which is electrically yeah. dissimilar from the surrounding material. And we, mm -hmm. we've, we've looked at the soil, you know, for its conductivity. Also, you know, who's to say that it isn't an interplay between atmospheric physics and geophysics? I could go on and on. I, I don't want to bore you. Sure, but, sure, sure. But I think, I, I, sure. And it's not boring at all. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, sometimes, well, certainly, if, if I start talking about this this sort of thing with my family, I think the eyes glaze over. <laughs> and, and so, so, you know, the short answer. Answer is there could be um, a, a natural but very interesting complex explanation for this, just as there is for for a phenomenon like um, maybe you're familiar with earthquake lights. You know these. Mm -hmm. If you've if you've not heard yep. of them, heard of you know there's a phenomenon not unlike ball lightning that can be generated ball within lightning. the earth, thought to be associated with tectonic mm -hmm. or, or you know some sort of a, a geologic event. Um, mm -hmm. So it's certainly on the table. But I got to tell you guys, uh, the longer we've worked with this with this ranch and the phenomenology, the timing and circumstances are so suggestive that it's not just some asynchronous uh, natural phenomenon. There's almost a, you know, I really have come to sympathize with those who came away with the sense that they're dealing with a someone and not just a something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sensationalize, but I, but I got to tell you, the timing and context are very, very suggestive. Yep. Context is everything. It, Context is everything. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, watching it, watching it play out is just fascinating. And we're one of the one of the things that was on a previous episode. I do want to bring up um, and talk about a little bit when we. I'll get to it in just a little bit. But um, and we have some questions from uh, some of the the uh, members of our group yep. have put some questions too that we'll ask. Um, well, actually, I'll go ahead and ask one of them now. Uh, and I'm prepping just, up uh, for. Go ahead. What's that? Oh, did we lose our audio? I think we're losing you. Oh, you're back. So just so you okay. know, uh, I was only able to snag Eric for about 30 minutes. He's going to have to jump off here for a second and uh, join okay. another uh, another okay. call. Or, or I've got I've got All a right. I've got a conference call that I have to jump to. But I got to tell you, this is a lot of fun. I love the <laughs> questions. They're very on very on message, uh, very germane. Um, and honestly, I think we could sit here for three hours at least <laughs> talking <laughs> yeah, about. I could too, be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I probably have another. I'm, I'm so curious now. You said you had another question. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, well, this one is uh, this one's from Jan. Uh, she's one of our uh, admin of our group. And she said, and this was kind of for both of you, if you want to take turns with it. But and Eric, you can go first if you want. 
Um, and I know, they, and this is kind of going to be hard, I think, to nail down, but what is the strangest thing you've seen on the ranch and oh, uh, off the ranch? Wow, that's a great question. I know, that's a hard one. I know, but just... Oh, that's a great question. I'd like to know that myself, Eric. Oh, what's God. the strangest thing? <laughs> Uh, I can't tell the story, and I don't have enough time to tell the story. Um, <laughs> We're going to have to have you, you back know, on. Okay, I have to have him back this is, to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be happy to, as long as I've got you know Tom here, <laughs> I could probably uh, <laughs> fill in the gaps, but maybe not necessarily hold my own with questions of this nature. But I can tell you, one of the very strange things that I saw on this ranch was my own reflection. Um, I'll tell a very quick story, and then I guess this will, this will be my last contribution to the discussion. Before filming started last year, you know where I'm going with this, mm -hmm. right? So before filming started last year, I was out here alone, which is not really advisable, but I was out here preparing, you know, uh, getting ready for the work. Um, got up in the morning after a late night, was doing some, uh, uh, just some work back in the, in the room behind us. And there was nothing unusual, uh, not, nothing, nothing that I could sense, but I walked past the mirror and I was, I, I was terrified by what I saw. Um, what had happened is uh, one of the side of my head and one of my, my eyes began swelling with no assignable cause. Uh, there was no bug bite. There was no itching. There was nothing that would indicate that I had you know, no abrasion. Um, and, it, and what was upsetting to me, I mean, it, it was a moment of fear. Uh, I, I was actually uh, quite afraid. Um, and I still don't know what, what caused that. But I managed, I took a picture, of course, and I sent that. And immediately, Bryant, who folks refer to as Dragon, uh, he said, I'm coming to get you. So he, he got me off the ranch and we went, uh, wow. we went to a medical medical center. You know, we, you know, I don't like to make um, make a big deal out of things that I personally experienced, whether it's here or in connection with the so-called hitchhiker um, business. Um, but look, we all have that. And so for some reason that that came to mind as as an efficient answer. Um, sometimes we are ourselves part of the, the observable phenomenology. And that's a case that I would like to not relive. Oh, I imagine so. And we know that Thomas has also had a uh, medical issue, a uh, very serious one, uh, you know, back. Yeah. Like, this was that season one or was it before season one? It actually started. When it, did that happen? Actually, my, my severe head injury actually ha occurred in March of 2017. So it was before okay, so any... Before any mm -hmm. thoughts of TV ever had materialized, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I've I've had uh, some interesting. I, I think the thing about Eric's eye too is see in June, which would have been just I don't know, month earlier. Mm -hmm. That from Eric, my my exact same eye, so the same the same eye of mine swole and it actually swole shut. I wow. couldn't open it for for a couple wow. days and. Uh, and the, here's the interesting thing about it. Like Eric was saying, timing, right? Can can I say that it was because of the ranch? Absolutely not. There's no way to prove that. But here's the interesting thing. The university, or I mean, uh, Utah State University has a lecture, a guest lecture series that they put on during the summer. And they'd asked me six months earlier to, to if I would speak at it. And uh, and you find it. It's online. You go to USU. I, I, I did a presentation. That morning when I woke up, one of the, it wasn't a voice, it wasn't anything, but I just had this thought pop in my head, said, I don't want you speaking about me. And I immediately interpreted that Whoa. to be from the ranch for whatever reason. You know, the whole mm -hmm. reason why we think what we do is, is a study by itself. But 
But, uh, you know, I, it'd been planned for six months. I'm going to go through with it. And I had just barely completed speaking. I was still over there at the university when that, when my eyes started to swell shut. Whoa. So the timing, and, and again, no assignable cause, like Eric said, as to what caused that, but swollen for a couple of days and it was the same eye. So I find it interesting that here he is getting ready for another, you know, another season of filming and he had the same thing. So timing is is very wow. interesting. Was there a medical yeah, explanation for it? Any medical explanation for the swelling? Were you, were you looked at, Tom? I I was not looked at. No. So when I went into the again, I I, I apologize. I, I feel kind of awkward having to leave the conversation, but I do want to answer that. Um, I went to the um, uh, what would we call that? It's like an urgent care center. It wasn't you know like the actual hospital, uh, uh -huh. um, but uh, you know we went through what I would assume to be some fairly routine examination steps. Obviously they wanted to make sure there was like uh, no sign of a head injury that I might've forgotten as a result of the injury, you know, having me look around and do certain right, things. Right. Um, there was no, there was no like, you know, it puncture wound, injury, injury wound. And as I mentioned, there's no abrasion, no, mm -hmm. no, uh, no itching. Um, you know, can we say that that's related to the phenomenon? No, but, but again, you know, look at, look at, we have these two I mean, separate events, very identical pathology. Mm. And, I gotta say, you know, the question was, what was the strangest thing? Well, maybe that's not the strangest thing, you know, in totality. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's very when, when it's your when it's your own body, and yeah. and things are happening to you. It's a visceral experience. It's a medically relevant yes. experience, and it's upsetting. Um, that yep. certainly got my attention, and I gotta say, you hmm. know, I approach this, this uh, stewardship that we have here with reverence, and mm -hmm. yeah, a little bit of trepidation sometimes. I'm very careful because of things like this. Yeah. I better get out Go. of here. Okay. okay. Thank you, Eric. Well, thank appreciate you so much. Right. Awesome yeah, having you here. With you. All right. There he goes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. He's he's seriously one of the I I I'm not even exaggerating. There was one day where I had a seven hour conversation with Eric. You know, we got we got into this deep conversation. Seven hours mm. flew by like that, and wow, uh, literally one of my favorite human beings. I could just sit there and listen to him speak all day long so anytime i can grab him even if it's just for a couple minutes it's such a treat or yeah, he's not on social sure. media and he you know he's not out there so anytime i can uh let share eric a little bit with uh with the audience i love i love grabbing him so i appreciate yeah. him coming thank you so much for that it was it was a special treat to talk to him That's awesome. and we hope that we can have you back I and mean, we're going to be obviously there's a couple more episodes to happen uh, nine and ten uh, and we'd love to have you come back at the end and that way you can kind of talk about the entire season, but we'll, we'll get to that later on. We'll talk to you about that. Um, so let's jump into this a little bit. And I tell you, that's something you both had a, 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 the almost ex same exact experience and something that John always says is repeatable. He's always talking about repeatable. Um, when that mm -hmm. happens, when something is repeatable, there's more validity to it, right? Is that how you look at that, John? Yeah, it's it's repeatable. It's the redundancy. Right. If it happens again and again and again, and it's the same context that it happens, then there must be something to it. You right. know, if it's if it's random and happens, that's one thing. But if the context is correct and it's repeatable and the same circumstances happen, there's got to be something to it. And the the question is, what's that something? Right. You know, you you see the outcome of the repeatable pattern, you don't see the cause. You know, and that's that's what you guys are digging for is what is causing all this phenomenon. 
Yep, exactly. Yep. It's like the, uh, and we'll get to that too as we go along yep. here. But uh, yeah, Anthony Castle asked a question about the 1.6 gigahertz. There's been a lot of talk about that. And I actually heard you explaining that once before, Thomas, about, you know, that a little bit more in depth than what we see. But um, do you, I guess the question was, um, is it obviously that the 1.6 uh, gigahertz is really something? And also, have you had any ideas of why that occurs? Has that been nailed down at all yet or still pretty much out there? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, the one point subject on that one. Well, look, the one point six is it, it drives us crazy a little bit. Um, there's there are many many things out there that use, you know, right on or close to that one point six gigahertz mm -hmm. frequency, mm -hmm. um, and and so you would expect to see. Now, here's the thing: is um, we're out here in the middle of nowhere, um, really, uh -huh. um, Eric has done a pretty <laughs> thorough job of, of going through, I mean, look, the, the, the RF spectrum is, is massive, right? So mm, it's a, yes. it's a big task, but, but he's gone through and, and really spent some time trying to map out what frequencies do we see on a regular basis? Like what can you consistently right. go, consistently go across and find and, and I know that uh, he had a he had a spreadsheet where he had gone down these frequencies, and when he when he finds something that's there, he makes note of it, really trying to keep a record. Um, there's we we do these experiments, and we start seeing this this 1.6. We don't see it there all the time. That's a thing. Um, yeah. Now, can satellites go overhead and be overhead for a short period of time and absolutely right um uh -huh. absolutely they can the the timing again is what really throws us in the fact that we we can go a long time not see this and then we go out and start doing a, an experiment and all magically it starts popping up uh to mm -hmm. answer your question uh you know the straight I think the most disturbing, not the scariest, but the most disturbing thing I've witnessed on the ranch. Uh, you guys saw um, during one of the episodes where we heard ourselves being broadcast over that 1.6. Yes, yes, like yes. Okay. Well, so that that's actually happened twice. It happened twice oh, during really? the filming season. Yes. Oh, wow. And the first time with the Cessna experiment, I mean – because of everything going on, we didn't have a lot of time to really dive in and start uh, analyzing what's going on there. We did have we did have the presence of mind to like we thought maybe the command center's bugged. You know, it right. seems like it, it seems like there's something that's always one step ahead of us, and uh -huh. and so we've long wondered. You know, is this place bugged? Is somebody listening? Uh, they always seem to know what we're going to do before we do it. And yep. so here we are hearing ourselves being broadcast over this frequency. Wow. And, and and so our first thought is, oh, this is bugged. So we get yep. up and one by one, we go outside away from the trailer and out on the helipad. And we're still broadcasting clear as day over that. Yep. Okay. Yep. That was about all that we could do to dive into it at that point. But that hmm. didn't really satisfy because look. 
when we have the film crew out here, the one thing that we fight is we ourselves are generating a lot of RF. Um, each one of us has a microphone yes. pack on us. Okay. Yep. That microphone, that microphone pass, uh, pack broadcasts over to our audio guy that's got an audio bag and receiving every one of the mics. So at any one time, you know, we could have five or six of us or eight of us or 10 of us mic'd up. We're all broadcasting on a different. Now, my microphone frequencies in the 900s, um, I, I don't know, the, like we all vary a little bit, but it was in the 900s. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then from there, each one of the cameras is broadcasting back to the little video, you know, that the producers have their little video village back there that's yep. watching all the feeds come through. So the cameras are broadcasting, our microphones are broadcasting, the production crew themselves are all wired and, and broadcasting. We're broadcasting a lot of RF. And so the initial uh-huh. thought was maybe what we're seeing is some harmonics coming off of that. You know, it, it's bleeding off into other frequencies or somehow jumping. That was what we thought. And because we didn't right. have enough time that day with the Cessna experiment to dive in, we kind of just figured, you know, maybe something with our microphones or the RF is is somehow jumping and we're, we're hearing harmonics from that. So right. fast forward, you guys, you guys saw the, the telescope experiment. Yes. That, mm-hmm. that night yes. was one of the most active nights that I've ever, I've ever witnessed here on the ranch. Really? Um, wow. First of all, we have, we have the telescopes that are these, these expensive sophisticated telescopes, which are on closed systems. Systems, right like these they're, they're the electronics on these have to be downloaded onto them they're not they're not able to connect to any network they're not wireless um right we're watching these stars and and they're showing up on the menu and i i witnessed this with my own eyes uh we're going through and finding a menu of the stars and and these guys are identifying stars that will be passing directly behind this area above the triangle and so right. We're looking at them. Well, as they track close to the triangle, that that star disappears, is removed from the menu. And so then they're like looking for the next one back for it. And it's there. But as the star tracks down towards that area, it's removed. So we have we have all of that going on. We see the the UAP. Now, this UAP was probably one of the most spectacular ones I've ever witnessed on ranch really it, wow you know cameras never do it justice ever no um no. you know especially at night you pull your phone up and you're trying to record it and it looks like it's a million miles away well mm-hmm. this uap was it looked it looked really really close it looked like it was very low and it was just moving across sky and then until it got to a certain point um, and then it and then it changed course and zipped off up towards the north. Uh-huh. Um, it it was incredible, and not only did our entire team, the guys with the t- telescopes, we caught it on camera, but you have the whole production company that's there behind us. I mean, we we probably had close to thirty or thirty five people witnessing this UAP up there, which was wow. incredible. Um. And so we're witnessing all this. The cows, the cows are yeah. getting like they were behaving off that night beyond what we normally observe from their behavior. 
Yep. Well, <clears throat> what you don't see in that episode um, is that at the end, at the end of the experiment, we're all tired. We're we're done. But just to just to check, we thought let's sweep for that one point six, right? So we have the uh -huh. computer out there. We, uh, we have the Yagi antenna out. We're trying to we're kind of sweeping across. We're picking this one point six up, and we're trying uh -huh. to we're trying to isolate where it may be coming from. Right. Well, we we lock in on it, and uh, and they turn on the FM modulation, you know, on the spectrum analyzer. Mm -hmm. And guess what uh -huh. we hear? We hear ourselves being broadcast. Wow. Now again, that's now this time we had the ability. It was the end of the night, anyways, and so we told them. And I think the reason this is this is the reason why I didn't show is we made everybody turn everything off. Mm. Cell phones went off, cameras went off, all of our microphones went off, the audio bag went off. Um, like we turned. We made everybody turn anything that could be broadcasting off so that we could eliminate us as the source right. of that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. We turn everything off. The only thing that's still on is the computer at the spectrum analyzer over there. And uh -huh. we're still broadcasting. So right. we walk away from the computer. Like we walk a fair distance away because maybe it's the computer. Maybe it's the microphone on the computer, right? Well, we right, walk yeah, away okay. from it, still broadcasting clear as day, but it gets weirder. Mm -hmm. We bring the production guys over by us, the producers and that. They're not broadcasting. It's still coming through. What? Just, just, just our team. Not oh. the telescope guys. Oh, not really? The producers. Wow. So just the team of Skinwalker Ranch was the ones that were being broadcast over that channel of 1.6. Wow. I think we lost him. Yep. Oh, yeah, he's frozen. He's frozen. I thought maybe it was me for a minute there, but no, it's, <laughs> it's Thomas. We'll see if he gets reconnected here. Wow, that is truly crazy, though. I mean, seriously, if they shut everything off, every and microphone, the, all the equipment. And they're, still, the and they're still broadcasting. How is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you got frozen. <laughs> you were frozen there. But it's not possible. That's not there, there's no how is that possible that you're still broadcasting know. with everything shut off? That's yeah. Un, that's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, it's almost like somebody is messing with you or something is messing with you. Well, it was the most disturbing thing I've witnessed on the ranch, simply for the fact that here we are hearing ourselves being broadcast over the signal. Um where was the receiver at? Like, who was in there listening to this signal, right? Right. For, and, and what was the source of it? Like, how, what technology, you know, look, I'm not a scientist. Uh, or, or I should say, I have no scientific background. I didn't go to school for it. I don't, I'm not educated there. Um, there's a lot of things that I don't know what is and is not possible. So, uh -huh. When these things happen, I really look to our scientists, to Eric and to Travis. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I look to see what their response is. If, if they seem yeah. nonchalant, then it must be fine. But if I look <laughs> over there and I see puzzled looks on their faces, I see concerned looks on their faces, I realize like what we're witnessing is disturbing. And and this was one night where 
you know, things go down. We come in the command center, everybody goes home and it's us in the privacy here. And we're all extremely disturbed. Uh, I can't tell you how violating it feels to think, how is that? First of all, how is it possible? And is there somebody out there listening to us? And if they have the technology to listen into us, to to focus in and, and broadcast us inside, outside, you know, it doesn't matter. Inside the command center, it happened out on the helipad. Then are they listening to me all the time? Like, is there a, is, is there a recording of every conversation that I'm having? I just, I laid awake and I extremely disturbed thinking, oh my gosh, like, where's my privacy at? Yeah, exactly. And there's only two explanations. It's either military (laughs) and, and they have that technology. They can zoom in down to the foot, you know. Or it's something otherworldly. I mean, I can't imagine any other explanation. Mm-mm. You know, and either one of those options is disturbing. Right. And you know darn well that Eric has done his due diligence to find out, is it anything that they are producing? Is it anything that's happening because of equipment? Like he had that, what was it, the Spectrum Analyzer? Yeah. That was on last night's show. The Spectrum Analyzer was transmitting. It's not a transmitter. Right. So how in the heck is it transmitting? How, how is it transmitting? Something's transmitting. For sure. It's an eavesdropping <laughs> device of some type. I mean, yeah. how is that transmitting? I don't know. That's and crazy. there's no privacy there. What is it that's so interesting? Why are they so concerned about what you guys are doing? Because there's something to it. Right. You know, there's yeah. what, what you guys are doing, there's something to it. And they really don't want you to do what you're doing. You know, whoever no that's something is. <laughs> yeah. What What is being hidden? I mean, that's... The, that's what is the it? I feel like, you know, we're, we're about ready... You, you hear about like these hidden stills back in the forest of if yeah. Virginia or Tennessee, right? And the unsuspecting yeah. person walking along the trail, not realizing <laughs> they're about to stumble in on something that's going to get them shot. Well, right. uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, there's something hidden here and we're just, you know, innocently, well, not so innocent. I mean, we are intentionally trying to find something, but sure, sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that any of us have any idea what it is. And to your, to your point, like, What's so important that every one of our experiments is being thrown off or tampered with for afforded? It's frustrating. Right. Yeah. You're kicking the hornet's nest or poking the hornet's nest and it's poking back. I mean, it's, yeah, Uh, it's, it's, that's why I was telling the folks about the fact that there's some, some really, really crazy things. Go ahead, John. Yeah. I was going to say it's absolutely crazy because not only are they eavesdropping because that's the only way they would know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're interfering, so they don't want you to to find what's hidden there. And I don't know who the it is that's right. you know we call it, you've called it the it what the it is that's doing this, but it's disturbing. I mean, I how I mean, how does it make you feel? You feel? How do you feel about you, that? Yeah, yeah, he, well, he yeah, vulnerable. It's violating. Uh, I mean, yeah. you you. Uh, at some point I've given up even thinking that I have any privacy. I just, I just figure, mm-hmm. you know, one of these days, <laughs> like <laughs> some, some conversation that I've had is going to be broadcast out on the internet somewhere. It's going to be extremely embarrassing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, let's hope that doesn't happen. But I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know, 
I do believe that or not. Uh, mm. Well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Sure. Um, I'm looking at some of the pictures here, and I and I don't. I'm not going to sit here and drill down on every single bit of this. But you guys had uh, Aaron Blunt out and uh, with Straight Shot Oil Field Services, and he came out with his with his drill rig, um, and it was a, a ditch which. Uh, well, you guys wanted to go up on have him drill underneath the mesa where you were experiencing. Well, I guess there was a cave at one time that supposedly has been covered up. And I do agree with the one gentleman and I'm at a loss for his name, but the one that came out and said that it looked like it was deliberate. It, when you look at that hillside and the crumble of all the rock, and I do have a picture of that I'll show later. It looks like it was not a washout type of thing. Cause he, as he said, the material would have washed out further. It looks like it has been done on purpose. And you've got this pile of rubble that has collapsed in on something. That's why it's, down you know sucked into the hillside a little bit you can see the depression um and with that of course with those rumble rubble laying the rocks laying on top of one another you're going to have cavities in there but this right here this picture here when you guys were using the smoke bombs and trying to see if it was going to come out somewhere else also at times it wasn't even coming out of these holes you know, initially you get that first initial blast of the of the smoke coming out, and then it's like being sucked down. Uh, that had to be off the. I mean, you got we could hear you guys and your expressions as you were going through all of this. But talk about that for a minute. I mean, what did it happen that quickly that the smoke would just all of a sudden reverse and get sucked right back into these cavities? Yeah. So. Um... The whole smoke bomb exercise was one that I felt like the production company did a really good job of portraying it accurately. I didn't uh -huh. see I didn't see any editing that would make me think that they they tampered with it at all. Um, right. And so, yeah, what you saw on television that that really happened. Um, you know, we we were spread out across there, dropping these smoke bombs in these various holes, and and I happened to go over there to that one side and drop one down in there and and yeah the smoke started coming out um but the second that that got down in the hole it literally like it it was like the airflow was going down the hole and it it pulled with it the smoke down and we never saw another strip another trace we what you don't see on television is like you know we pulled one of those and set it out just to see like how long is that smoke going to billow for? Right. right. Yep, and right, so yep. if you watch on television, you'll see, like I held it long enough to make sure that that smoke, you know, wasn't a dud. And mm -hmm. once the smoke was spewing pretty good, then you drop it down the hole. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the airflow is definitely traveling down into this, these holes. Um, and, and there's a number of them across the face of that specific mm -hmm. section of Mesa. Right. And so, you know, uh, it is interesting. Yeah. So one of the questions uh, that was on here for you guys uh, was from Jeff. And Jeff asked the question. He said, um, have they considered a change in barometric pressure when they were studying the air movement uh, from the uh, shaft on the Mesa or that tunnel or that opening on the Mesa? Mm -hmm. um, then he said, refer to the blowhole at Wapat. Wap I don't know how to pronounce this. It's W-U-P-A-T-K-I. Key, whoop! Pot. I can't even pronounce. I can't even say it right. Capati. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Eric, and again, going by Eric, you know, the way he looks into and he's looking at everything from so many different angles. Um, was that one thing that you might have looked at? Was a barometric pressure at all? Um, to be honest with you, I don't. I don't remember. Eric very well could have. That'd be something I'd have to ask him. I don't remember participating in that exercise. So uh, now I will tell you that Eric's been notorious when, when things happen, uh, especially when we're filming. You know, I'm filming. We're, we're on a schedule. I mean, we even it's it's not scripted and we go with the flow but right. these guys can't do them 24 7 and 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 so we've got to try to fit in what we can during their scheduled shift mm -hmm. and eric's notorious for going back after everybody goes home eric will go back with his own instruments and like i said again we're creating so much noise ourselves uh yep. and by noise i mean you know radio frequency and and our instruments and everything he likes to go back after the fact by himself and take measurements and see. And so there's a good chance he did. I, I didn't personally participate in that. And I can't, I can't speak and say that that was done. Right. right. Interesting though. Something that uh, we might want to have to ask him next time. And, and again, it's just a, it's just a thought, you know, but again, um, you know, for that, for the smoke bomb smoke to be pulled down into that area. Okay. That's one thing. And that's, and it, it's a fascinating thing in itself. But it didn't come out anywhere else. The smoke didn't come out on top. You ran up on top of the mesa and was looking up there. It did not come out up there either anywhere that you know uh, was shown on the, at least for us on the show, okay. or anywhere yeah. else in one of the other rock. You know, underneath a uh, twenty-five feet away, coming up in between the rocks over there, it was just gone. So that would be indication of some sort of a passage or cave or something where it had all that smoke was able to accumulate down inside there somewhere. I can't think of any other reason where, where it would have gone. I, yeah, I just, no, you're I, correct. We never saw a trace come out anywhere hmm. else. Like so. Hmm. so that, that is a hundred percent accurate. Wow. That's, that's, wow. and it's amazing to me. It's got to come out someplace. It will dissipate over time. You leave it in a room and you go in there, you know, a day later and the smoke is gone. It, it no. will dissipate over time. But that hadn't happened. That much time hadn't happened. That smoke should have come out somewhere, and you didn't see it come out anywhere, which is fascinating. Um, well, this drill rig, that they go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say it's almost like a backdraft situation. So if yeah. if the if the yeah. if the what's inside there is hotter than what's outside, you know the the cool air gets sucked back in and takes with the smoke, and it dissipates in, inside the chamber or whatever's there. So, you know, there is an explanation for it, but the fact that it never discharged any place else the smoke, where did it go? It's it's an unknown and it's 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 mind boggling. Why didn't discharge any place else on that mesa? Right. Right. Yep. You know, and there's well, no other things. Go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say we do have some instances of um like there's a few channels over by Homestead 2 where the rainwater has, has cut a channel down through the rocks and it comes out somewhere in the bottom and mm -hmm. you get a, you get a warm summer day and then like a slight breeze and the air will go up those But when you get up on the top, the air is coming out of it and it's cool. You know, it's really mm -hmm. cold air because it's come up underground, but that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And there's nothing strange about that. This is a, this is an right. entirely different circumstance. Mm. Yeah, it truly is. 
Um, and wow. this was kind of cool because this was the artist's rendition of the uh, drill rig and its ability to uh, change the direction of the drill head and going, you know, in a different way. And I'm glad they did this because you guys were explaining it well, but it's nice to see a picture of it. And you were talking about what he's going to be attempting to do. Uh, of course, this spot here being the uh, where the slurry goes, where the uh, where the water comes back out and all the deposit ends up in there and they have to drain it. But then they punch into the, the side of it and then start and they can angle up at some point. Uh, and that's, of course, where the issue came. There's all the guys out there. You guys were all talking uh, about it at that point. And then the, the amount of water that went into this thing um, that it didn't come out for a long time. You were drilling and drilling and drilling and the water was coming out over a thousand gallons went in and say, well, where are all that? Where is this water going? I mean, then all of a sudden later, then it starts to come back out and it's flowing out. What was your, was that, was that a long, long time that, that went by that it, no water came back out of there? Yeah. I mean, uh, we had to suck that pit. I'm trying to think of how many times we sucked that, that spoils pit out. Um, I, I mean, it takes, that was it, but yeah, I think we, I'm trying to remember how many times. So that, that water there on the truck, we had to fill that truck up a couple times, um, during mm -hmm. the course of drilling you know, we put we pumped a couple thousand gallons up that hole. That's what lubricates the bit and and keeps the whole shaft turning inside the hole. Is that clay and bentonite that's added to it? And so, um, it look it was it was quite. There was a long time period there for which we didn't have any any mud coming out of the hole. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we definitely one hundred percent we hit some type of void that swallowed a thousand right. gallons of our, our mud. Um, and, and then eventually it did start flowing out again. <laughs> Once it filled up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and some of these things you found, I was just going to mention too, that they are how, this is how they were able to tell where the drill bit is, um, by this, uh, and I've forgotten his name. I had, I had a picture here. Oh, there it is. Um, uh, McCoy Beal, uh, when he was able to find it and tell where the actual, uh, drill head was with his, um, scanner here which is really cool because i wondered about how can they know exactly where it's at and you know but that's that's that shows you right there very interesting and of course i've obviously not been around a lot of drill rigs to know all these things but uh very interesting that that's the way they went about finding it uh and then you guys putting down um you know going up there you heard it i remember at one point it was like 11 feet underground but you could hear it you know drilling yeah. down there you, you mentioned that yeah, and and that 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 uh, sensor is really cool. I mean, in the drill bit itself, well, just behind the drill bit, if you go back and watch, just behind it is a is a mm -hmm. cylindrical shaft there that has a beacon mm -hmm. inside of it, and that okay. beacon mm -hmm. feeds all the information, and and it's really cool because see this this drill bit he can steer it around, and the way that he mm -hmm. does it is it's got a paddle bit on the front of it that has uh, got an angle on it. So if he's just going straight, he just keeps that turning. But then right. when he right. when he wants to start turning that bit, that that uh, transmitter inside there tells his machine exactly the position of that bit, that paddle bit. And so mm -hmm. he'll he'll take that, and if he wants to go up, then he keeps a bit like this. And while he pushes, it starts to steer that that bit up. That's how he steers it around. 
And so right. we're using that sensor. And there's that one point where we're 11 feet down. And yeah, literally, it felt like it was going to pop right up out underneath our wow. feet. It was it was definitely in some type of solid surface or something that was transmitting both the sound and the vibrations up through the ground. Uh, pretty, pretty intense. Wow. And that's interesting that they can do that. <clears throat> and you, you know, which also leads us to, um, you know, going along with the idea that, <clears throat> you know, he kept talking about, and, and I know I'm, I'm never going to show all of these pictures and I don't need to, but, you know, talking about where the, it was up against something. This is actually in the second episode, I believe, but it was up against something you were trying to, he was trying to come up, but something was forcing it down, down, mm -hmm. down, down, down. He couldn't get it to come up. And then it's, and then it started to come up. And I think he said coming up nine inches every, oh, what did he say? It was, it, it was taking a long time to get anywhere to any, any rise. And it was like, and you had mentioned, it was like it was hitting something as it was coming along, trying to find a way to come up. But whatever it was, was so hard, it couldn't get through it. Hmm. So that leaves the question, what the yeah. heck was it, right? Yeah, so if it had been sand, so, so the thing of it is, is as he's coming up, the angle of that bit, uh -huh. you know, if he had been able to come onto it at a straight 90 degrees, it would have been inter interesting to see if eventually he could have punched through it. But when you're coming up right. at a shallow angle and you're right. sitting there, it, you're just kind of chipping away at it. And, and it did. It just kept forcing that bit down, down, down until finally uh, the bit did start to climb on the other side. But it was very shallow. It, it still was not letting it come up at the, the degree that he had it you know, what he would expect right. to see. And I, I have to say something, uh, Aaron, Aaron, that guy is a master at his craft. I mean, uh, he is recognized. He, he's very well known for his expertise. This guy can drive a stake two miles away and pop up within two or three inches of that stake. Wow. I mean, wow. He is incredible. Wow. So oh, that's that's we, we were lucky wow. to get him out there. He's one of the best at what he does. And, uh, and he, he just couldn't understand. Normally, under normal circumstances, even if that had been sandstone, he would have been able to break through it and come up at the angle that he wanted to. But he, he just wasn't able mm. to. Yeah. See, and that speaks well of him, you know, for you to mention that. Because, you know, on the show, like I said, when we were watching that, we're thinking – Oh, maybe he's just not reading it correctly, or maybe he just doesn't, you know, and we see different comments being made, but it's like, no. And you said that on the show about his 20 years of experience, and he's like one of the best there is at it. Um, and he so is. you get that impression that, no, he knows where it is, and he knows what he's up against, or he knows he's up against something hard that's not letting that bit come out, which, you know, I, I believed him. You know, it wasn't one of those things where I'm going, oh, he just needs to keep trying. No. You guys on it for two days and it couldn't get it up to come up anywhere out of there so at some wow. point you just got to call it and he put it in like 400 feet of rod i think something like that too over 400 yeah. feet wow yeah and yeah because oh go ahead no i said he only had about 500 with him to begin with yeah and well and enough. and the other thing we always have to take into consideration is that we can only go so far but we, we never want to be drilling out onto somebody else's property. And so, you know, when we're up hugging yeah. more of the Northern bat, we only had so many feet to go. We were still well within our boundary, but we, we can't go indefinitely. We can't be drilling under other people's property. So, um, 
But, you know, I want to I want to say when we bring on these third party experts, uh, any of these people, it's fun to watch these individuals for a lot of them. I mean, this is a big deal to be on international television. This is this is the chance for them to showcase their company, their technology. Nobody wants to come on television and look like an idiot. And uh, and so every single that we brought out here. They have put a lot of preparation in making sure that when they get out here, they don't make fools out of themselves. And and right. there's been <laughs> – I can't tell you the number of people that have come out here and their equipment doesn't operate the way that – you know, the number of time. if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, I've never <laughs> seen this before, I could yeah, retire. And uh, these these are people who are crap they, – they are experts in their trade. And when things go wrong out here at Skinwalker Ranch, it's not their fault. There was a lot of preparation, a lot of time put into doing this, and uh, we're not bringing out amateurs. Right. right. Yeah, we can tell. And that's and that's a great. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that you know people you know. And again, you know, like with all the uh, the telescopes and, and like you mentioned about the planets falling off of the the uh, data that's in their handheld that is not connected wirelessly to anything. So where is it going? Why is that happening? That guy that came out to do the radio uh, signals and all of a sudden all of his equipment kept shutting down. It's happened yep. over and over and over and over again. And so, you know, that again, it's, it's not their equipment. It's something happening that's shutting down their equipment or messing it up in some way. Um, I'm kind of curious. I know, and I want to get moving on to this here, this picture here too, but the guys that lost the data, the stars were going off of their memory hmm. of their uh, units. Did it ever come back? Did it like, mysteriously come That's back? Or would, did they have to relook? Do you know that yeah, kind of answer no. to that? So from, from the report that I heard, uh, because we followed up with them when they got back to Salt Lake. The report I was told was that when they got back and got their equipment back up, uh, that everything was back in order and, and working properly. So, oh, wow. See, see, that just tells you right there. It was being asked. You can't explain the other way. How do you explain the other way? So uh, it works every other place but Skinwalker Ranch. Right. Please tell right. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can. I mean, I would love to know. That's that's just. But again, that experiment was awesome because what? A, and, yes. and for you guys to sit around the table and hash out what you're going to try next. When I heard that, when I first heard the telescopes, I'm like, okay, what is this all about? But then when it was explained, you're going to be looking through the space at us at an object, a star, or whatever, or a galaxy, whatever it might be, looking yes. through that space that's above the the triangle, that area that is something going weird going on up there a mile high, looking through that at, at an object on the other side. That's a brilliant idea. Now you're looking for some sort of a distortion or whatever. And then you go kick the hornet's nest with the rockets and see if you can find out. And then all of a sudden now they can't, it's not allowing them to look through that section. It's just. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. All while, the, while we're having lasers that are bending and at one yes. point, a laser that disappears for a short period of time and then oh. reappears above as if there's something in the middle that's taking a chunk out of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, and to it's see just that with your own eyes, it's one thing to see for us to see it on TV. 
Um, and you hear it, Travis, I mean, just going nuts, you know, talking about it bending and then splitting, as John just said. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Yeah. If you're seeing it with your own eyes, I, you know, I, you can just hear the elation in his voice when he talks about that kind of stuff. That's one thing. Um, what was this here? Did you ever get this thing up? Did you ever find out what it was? This was oh down inside. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife has uh, kind of ribbon me a little bit when we were watching last night. She's all like, you, you don't usually show a lot of emotion. And there's this one part where you can tell, like, I, I think I said, this is really frustrating. She's giving me our time. She's like, wow, somebody's actually getting, you're actually getting upset. And uh, I'll just take you back to that first comment. You know, what you're seeing represents 1% of what we actually filmed. You know, there's right. a reason why they have us wear the same outfit every day because we start mm-hmm. out each day not knowing what's going to take place and, and we got to make it easier for the editors. Well, right, right. What you're looking at right here is a source of a lot of men. I look at it. It just makes me shudder inside. I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I have to look at that for one more minute, um, we spent hours and hours and hours trying to get to the bottom of what this was. And, uh, it, <laughs> I was so frustrated with this shaft way. By the time we were done, I, I wanted to, wanted to scream um there's all kinds of mysteries down that shaft way i'm not i'm not going to go a lot into it because i still don't i haven't seen any of the episodes this year so i have no idea what's oh, left wow. to air um right oh yeah 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 sorry fair, fair yeah, enough, fair want, enough, yeah you know you're good you're you're welcome to ask me anything i'm just going to leave it at the fact that we spent hours trying to get to the bottom of mysteries in this shaft and uh very frustrating exercise. Um, wow. Those, those, those snake cams is like pushing a rope. I mean, these shafts don't just go straight down and you got to right. fish it around rocks and there's ledges. And so you're sitting there just jerking that rope up and down, trying to get it to bounce off the ledge. And, mm-hmm. and then, right. mm-hmm. you know, you're twisting it, trying to get it to maneuver down. Mm-hmm. It was an unbelievably tedious and, just excruciating exercise and uh we'll we'll see we'll see what else plays out on it if anything if not you know i'll talk more to it at a in a future date sounds good yeah um then we did see one of the smoke canisters that was thrown down there uh uh, bryant uh, recognized that right off the bat and he said yep that's one of the smoke canisters and this was a shot i just grabbed looking back showing the actual drill rig doing its work and where it was the angle where he was coming in that to come up um, and then you had a meeting there with uh, Travis and talked to a few things with him uh, about the metal that was found. Um, the first t- that was the first day, uh, and you went and got the spoils. You came up with a screen and you put it underneath the spoils. Brilliant idea to, to check that and see what's coming out of there. And you started finding those pieces of metal. Now, on the, on the surface, you look at those pieces of metal, and, and I and I initially, and I have to admit, I'm one of them. I. I thought initially, I thought, was this metal that was maybe under the road and it might have been material left over from building the road. But then you, you explained and you guys would know. And again, this is one of those editing pieces, hours and hours of you guys out there working. But this was from well under the Mesa, correct? The metal pieces were from that time period coming out of there. So, yes, yes. 
and it looked to me like, and you explained it. I think you were the one that talked about the fact that it looked like it was all coming from like flakes of rust or metal that was falling off of a, a structure or an object and all the same object. And that brought everybody's head up when you said that, because that's what it looked like to me too. So before we get into what the material makeup was of these, is that is that still your your thoughts still hold with that same impression that it was all from one particular structure? Uh, Again, yeah, I mean, there are more episodes to go, so there might be more about it. (laughs) (laughs) If that's yeah, you know, there there was a lot going on there. That whole that whole sequence of drilling and everything. You know, that's a case of having to get it edited down to fit within the confines of the episodes that they have available. Um, So there's a lot there that that hasn't shown or didn't show. Um, When we when we first screened it and I saw those metal pieces, my first thought was, is that, well, two things. I thought maybe it, it looked like, you know, when a piece of metal rusts and it starts flaking off. Yep. So I thought we were getting flakes of rust, which made me think that it was inside the tank, like, you know, Uh, that the inside of their tank was rusted. Tank, yeah. Right. So my first thoughts was that this was actually a source that came in off the ranch, whether it came in the tank as part of the tank rusting, or they had vacuumed something up on a previous job. And right. not cleaned yep. the tank out and brought it on to the ranch. So that was my first thoughts when I saw that. Now they the the whole back of that tank actually opens up. So um, it unlatches. It's got hydraulics on it, and the whole back of the tank opens to where you can crawl in there. That tank is brand new. They they told me that the that tank had only been used on a couple jobs, brand new, and they told me that they had pressure washed it prior to bringing it on the ranch. Yeah. So, so they ruled out my two sources of where that came from. Yeah. Um, and so then, then we start looking, we started to be a lot more careful on when we're vacuuming that up, you know, we cleaned that hole out, we vacuumed that hole out. Right. And, and we, uh, we took it down to virgin ground. Um, and of course we got the chunks out of it. Then, then you see us doing it a second time. Uh-huh. Um, that time we knew that it didn't come from anything that was there prior because we got it all out the first time, right? So mm-hmm. anything that was in the mud at that point had to have come out of the hole. And right. see, at that point, I don't, I, I, it's, I, it's all fuzzy. I have to go back and review the footage. But at that point, we're deep inside the mesa. Right. So those chunks had been coming off the mesa and you start coupling it. I wish I wish they would have shown. So Aaron on his on his unit, it shows him a graph of each point of the um, of where that drills at. And right. so uh, the beacon sends back two two sets of data where the drill bits at and the depth um, okay. of it. So what you're getting is the top the top line is the actual terrain of the ground, the t- uh-huh. topography. And the second one is the the, dri- the path of the drill bit, and uh, and it was it was interesting to see that graph of it, it did really look like a dome, 
when it was graphed out, you could see oh, yeah. the bit getting pushed down, pushed down, and it, it did. It made a it made a dome shape. Wow. I'm I'm sitting cool. here with Aaron, who's a very experienced driller, telling me, you know, if this was sandstone or limestone or one of these rocks, we should be able to punch through it. And now we're getting this metal chunks coming out of the hole. So mm, it that. it's hard to not come for me not to come to the conclusion that maybe we were peeling these chunks of metal off with whatever that hard surface is that wasn't allowing that bit to go up. Right. And I agree. That's, that makes total sense. You know, you look at this, what's the most logical explanation for this happening? You know, would it, you know, and, and, and again, you know, if you, there's a lot of times where people will say, Oh, that was an old dumps. People used to dump their trash there years ago. So all their old appliances, you know, back in the day when they used to find a, just a spot to dump stuff. Well, mm -hmm. before they had landfills all set up, each property. True story. Yeah. So, so when they, you know, you think about that, but it, that's, that, is, is that possible? Is that yeah, but not here because you're underneath a mesa. You're underneath your rock. Nobody's going to yes. dump it in there unless they don't want it. It's something that they don't want found. And then they, of course, they collapse. They put it in some sort of a, a tunnel or a cave opening. It might be a shallow cave, but stick it all in there and then explode or something to collapse it on down on something. Nobody will ever go in there. But the fact that it was such a long period, I think he started talking about hitting this thing about 300 feet and he kept on going for another like 100 feet, wasn't it? I think that's it. It was like 100 yes, feet yes, that he yes. was hitting this thing. Was it that much? I think I think we actually hit it well before the 300 foot mark. See, oh, if so I if my memory serves me right, we at, at about 80 feet in, we were at where we the the beacon was telling us that we were under the where the mesa really started to raise up, mm -hmm. um, and the whole plan was to bring that bit up and come in behind that cave where Chris Bartell was showing us thinking right. that if, if it really had collapsed, maybe we could punch in on the backside of it and find it. So that was Good the original job. plan. Mm -hmm. If my memory serves right, I mean, we were no more than 120 feet in when he started. I think it was 80 feet, but we could have been in like 120 feet when he started to try and attempt to bring that bit up at a pretty drastic angle. We, mm -hmm. we wanted to follow the topography of the Mesa. And, uh, and so it was well before 300 feet when we hit that hard surface and judging from the flakes, which by the way, you know, if we just hit it, like say we hit something, let's, we'll just say theoretically we hit something 150 feet in. I mm. would have fully expected that. Um, I mean, let's say we hit a washing machine, you know, 80 feet into the right. hill. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. And put through it. We would have brought those flakes out. Sure. But with the amount of bentonite and, and clay and mud, by the way, we had that thousand foot void somewhere be in that, in that space. Mm -hmm. So who knows how much crap we shoved down in that metal void? How many, how many metal flakes went down in that? Right. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yep. Good point. But I would have, I would have expected if it had been something small that those flakes would have got flushed out with that water and bentonite and we yes. would have seen it come to an end. And that's just not what happened. If anything, we saw an increase on the second time that we uh, we saw more of it on the second dump right. than we did the first, indicating right. that it was continuous all the way into that hill. Otherwise, we would have flushed it out well before then. Yeah. So I'm of the impression that that 
metal was coming from as deep as three or 400 feet into the Mesa. Wow. See, that's so, incredible. Uh, and there should be nothing in there. It's that's a Mesa. It's not, it's amazing. not a, you know, a place where that's going to naturally be. And he, and he, you took it out and you talked and we'll be bringing that up here in the next one, but you talked to, uh, you know, this gentleman, uh, right here, I'll go ahead and show him now. Uh, Dr. Ravi and it's uh, Shandrum. You know, he concluded that it was not natural. It was not a natural. This when when they when they the metallurgy uh, when he did the study on it, and, and we'll get into what they found on it. But he he said right there, it's not natural. This is actually a man-made man-made hmm. metal. So what in the heck was it doing that far underneath a rock mesa? It just boggles the mind. Bog yeah, when you hold these in your hand and you see just how, I mean, this is thinner than a dime, this metal. I mean, it's mm -hmm. its basically the same thickness maybe as a piece of cardstock paper um, wow. to give you an idea on the thickness. Yeah. So we're yep. talking about something that's paper thin. And when you start mm -hmm. thinking about the fact you're looking at it and, and you're putting it in the microscope and you're seeing them, the elemental analysis of it and realizing that this side is different than this side – um, you know, like Travis and Eric said, the statistical odds of that being natural are so astronomical that it's exactly. preposterous to think that that's natural. Right. So it's artificial. Yeah, and then you're like, well, how the heck, how the heck did it get 300 feet inside 400 feet inside that hill? It, exactly. it makes no, it, it nothing makes sense. That's, that's just the, that's just the theme of the ranch here. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's funny because you know <clears throat> you know i notice you guys are working together all the time so much <clears throat> excuse me um you know you, you become like family and you kind of pick up on each other for a little bit uh well you know travis when he first came out there he was the one that always said it makes no sense and now i hear some of the other guys saying it too i've heard eric say it a few times it makes no sense kind of the same way travis does it's kind of funny anyway but i i just noticed that that the and it's so true. So many times you come across something and with you look at it every single different way you can, it still makes no sense that it's happening or that it's there. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask about was Tom. Uh, we know that Tom had that episode when he was out at uh, Homestead 2 uh, where he collapsed uh, or almost com completely collapsed. And then um, Brian ended up taking him to uh, urgent care to the hospital. Um, is he doing okay? Did he, was he everything recover well from that episode? Um, so he, he came back on the ranch and, and he's, he's back here. Um, mm -hmm. I always want to be very careful when I'm speaking about others, uh, health yeah. and their, you know, it's such yeah. a private matter. Yeah. Um, but we were just all relieved that he returned to the ranch and that, uh, he, 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 so to me, he seems like he's doing well, you know, Good. but, Good. uh, beyond just my interactions with him, I, I, I couldn't tell you for sure, you yeah. know, where, where that lies, but mm -mm. Yeah. yeah, but we're, we're happy. Everybody was very concerned, uh, you know, when he went down, anytime you see any of you guys have some kind of a, a thing like that happen, you know, with, uh, Travis having the radiation burns and, uh, uh, there was another gentleman that was out there, uh, one of the uh, uh, Native Americans that was out there, and he had his right there at Homestead, too, and he had an issue mm -hmm. there as well. I can't remember his name. But 
you know, just that kind of thing when that happens. I mean, you can't. And it, and it's and it's that was one of the questions that somebody had mentioned that talking about how it happens to some people but not to everyone. You've had an episode, but not exactly like that. But you know, um, and and Bryant, and now he mentioned on the show at least we saw that he hasn't had you know nothing. He's been out at Homestead too many times, and he's had nothing. I'm going to knock on wood, but he's had nothing happen uh, to him out there. So. Um, but the other people, some people are sensitive to things that others are not. And that's just, that's, that's uh, statistically true. So uh, very interesting though, but we just, uh, everybody was concerned and hope he was doing well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's back on the ranch and, and from my interactions with him, he, he seems like he's doing well. Yep. Good. I want to show one more picture of those pieces. And this was out of the second batch that you guys had done. Uh, look how many of there are. I mean, this is truly something that was, and, and again, I, I agree with you. It just seems like it's, it's, you're, you're chipping away at a structure or some kind of very large piece of metal down there and you're chipping away at it. And these pieces are being back flushed back to the, um, mm. back to that thing. I mean, it's just, look how many there are and they should not be there. There is truly yeah. a lot. We had a whole Ziploc bag full of it. I mean, it, it was wow. a pretty yeah. substantial quantity. Yep. Uh, next, you guys had the guy come out, uh, and I was trying to find his name here real quick. I was going to pull him up here. It was the gentleman that came out to do the uh, – oh, I didn't get a shot with his name, and I know it's in the synopsis here. But um, uh, the gentleman that came out with the uh, little crawler and the camera that was going to go up inside um, the little tunnel that was made uh, – shaft, the hole that was made by the drill rig. Um, and I'm going to bring this up here real quick. There we go. Um, and uh, you guys put a barrel in there so you could at least have something to stand. <laughs> at first I was like, what's a barrel doing in there? But uh, then I realized it so they can get in it to access yeah, that yeah. hole and not stand in the muck or the slurry. Exactly. Um, and there's that little rig that he brought out and I've got to find his name because I always like to make sure, uh, Ryan, um, Ryan came out and with the underground visualization, um, visual visualization, uh, expert and uh, he put this robot camera into the hole uh, this is a vt100 robot with a ptz camera uh, that has a, um, a 1080p readout a really neat piece of equipment but when i saw this thing i thought oh man that thing's going to struggle getting in at least into the initial part of the hole because of all the slurry that came out it's gonna it's muddy mm. it's gonna have a lot of trouble trying to get in there and you were even down in the bucket trying to help it in it just couldn't go anywhere. Would you, is it because you think it was because it was locked or, or was there another reason why it was having so much trouble getting in there? Well, I mean, we just shoved all that water and bentonite down there. And, you know, the whole purpose of the bentonite is to act like a lubricant. It's extremely yeah. uh, slippery. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and look, that, that piece of equipment was impressive. I mean, he did, he showed us some demonstrations with it and walked it around on top of the ground and, and definitely an impressive piece of equipment. I have to say this was one exercise that we did. I was highly skeptical of and, and only from the, from the, only from the standpoint that even if it had been successful in getting in there, uh, we had to, we had to go down under the canal to come up. Right. Um, right. Right. And so in my mind, we had created like this P trap. Uh, oh, yep. 
right? So in my mind, we probably had a 20-foot section that probably still had water play in it, um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so for me, I, yep, it does. I, I felt like this was, you know, if I'm just being completely honest, and, and, and honestly, this investigation, that's, that's the thing I love about the production companies. They allow us to just be completely transparent and honest. But um, when, when the, we as a team decided to do this, I was skeptical from the beginning because I'm like, uh, we're going to have to put it down through this P-trap that we've created by going under the canal and that the chances of that camera coming out clean to where we can even see anything on the other side, right. I, I was skeptical. Point. Um, yep. Yep. But that being said, you know, we put it in the hole. We did have a, uh, you could see that, that we had a pretty significant section of hole that we could go in and, mm -hmm. and, you know, it collapsed. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go so far as to say that the collapse was, abnormal i mean anytime you shove water in the hole and it loosens up the soil um yep. we're, we're going under the road so any driving on top could have dislodged it um but but look regardless yep. of what the cause was it's just one more time where our efforts to try to get answers if, if this camera had gotten into that hole and been able to go back there and see that structure who knows what we would oh, see wow how cool would that yep. have been right so Hence the reason why we have to get at least give it a try. I mean, oh, absolutely, try. Yeah. absolutely. yeah. So, yep, hmm. yeah. Hmm. You might need you might have needed some sort of a rigid uh, cable camera or something you could really shove in there. But again, uh, you know, chances are the hole was collapsing anyway. And uh, and when you get into the rock, it was probably pretty stable through there. But in this soily section, it's going to and you put so much water and everything, and it's very likely that it's going to be mm -hmm. collapsing. Um, cause it just wasn't meant to, uh, to maintain a, a, a pipe hole all the way through. And you, mm. when you see some of the drills, you know, that go on when they're putting in a, a well or something, they're actually leaving a sleeve in there and that sleeve there, you could travel inside of that. But in this case, you weren't doing that. So, um, it didn't, that wasn't the idea the purpose behind what your experiment was. But again, it was a great idea. It just didn't pan out. And, and again, man, I, I was thinking when I first saw this, I'm like, Oh, we're going to get to see what that was. And then of course we didn't do another failure, you know, the part of different things. Uh, then you guys decided to go up on top uh, and then go down into where you put the one smoke bomb or at least one that we saw, or actually there was a few of them in that hole uh, where you guys put the camera down and saw that little black and silver object that was down there. Um, so you went up there and tried to go down. And then again, right off the bat, uh, you get, you get snaking down in there with the camera and you run into an obstruction that, seemingly fell into the hole and lodged its way into the right spot to where you couldn't get past it. And you mentioned the time you spent, the hours you spent trying to get in there. How frustrating. I mean, it, it, uh, I can only imagine, you know, like you mentioned, I, I got it from the way you, <laughs> you talked about <laughs> how frustrating you were or frustrated you were with the whole thing, trying to make that happen. But this well, is the one. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry, please. Well, the interesting thing is, is see, Ryan brought, we, we figured, because we could get, before we could get the snake cam down to that point, but we, we had no way, we couldn't identify what it was. So right. we get Ryan out there. Here comes a camera that's actually got little claws on it. We can open and close mm -hmm. remotely. Oh, that's so cool. So yep. we're like, sweet, we can get down there. 
we can grab this object, whatever it is, and pull it up and be done with this mystery once and for all. And when we finally get a camera there that's capable of retrieving it, yeah, we get down there and uh, and and what you don't see on there is that we had we had our other snake cam with that, and so yeah. yep. we were able to put his down and and we keep running it. We can't get his camera to go down where the other one was, so we get our camera and we can't get ours to go down either. And as we start dialing in, we see this this rock that's rolled now. I, when I when I was looking on watching this on TV for the first time, I see that image and I'm like, man, it looks kind of small in that picture. Um, but when we had the two snake cameras down there, you actually, it was cool because we could pull the one snake camera back a little bit, which mm -hmm. would allow us to see his snake camera. So we right, were seeing it right. with two angles, right? And so mm -hmm. you can get a sense of size and proportion. Those cameras are almost impossible to tell size and scope of things. But when you when you get that into view, you can tell kind of scope and size. That rock was actually a fairly good size rock that would had rolled down. Now where it came out of, I mean, we have no ability to turn that camera around and and look up, right? right? But mm -hmm. the fact that this boulder somehow came out of the ceiling somewhere above and rolled down and clogged this hole, we were never able to get down around it again. So when we finally have the opportunity with this clause to grab that, it, it just, it's maddening. I mean, sometimes you feel like a fool because it's like, you just can't one thing go right for us. Like, can't we just do the simple task of grabbing that, pulling it out of the hole? Right. You think it would right. be simple and it's just not, it's frustrating. And I thought the same thing. I thought, oh good, they're going to go back and grab it because you had that one and, and we're going to get to see what that thing was. And then again, you're thwarted once more. Um, by the weird things happening like this. It's just, and you've seen that, and, and the camera is totally captured when you were talking to Travis. You were up on the Mesa and you were talking to Travis, was down on the ground. And mm -hmm. at the end of the, the conversation with the radio, he was just like, and put his put the radio away. And you could just sense that that's the frustration that you were all feeling at that time. You know, and Brant, Brant, same thing. You know, when he was just, you could just tell. Uh, and it, that's the thing that we don't, we don't experience, I mean, we get frustrated because we're like, oh, you're so close to an answer, but then you can't. And so we all get the same way watching, but uh, we, we don't understand or, you know, experience exactly how you feel uh, being there and going through the same thing. This is the one picture I was talking about <clears throat> where it looks to me, it almost looks like it's, it's happened twice. But with this, this whole area of rock looks like it has fallen down into something. If you look at the one over here, this side over here, it looks like this side is not concave. It looks like it's all flat. The rocks have rolled down the hill. But you look at this side over here, and it appears that it's filling a depression. Like it was simply was maybe there was a void or an open area in there and the rocks fell into it, thereby making a, I don't know, I could be reading more into I was I've never stood there and looked at it with my own eyes. But from the camera angle, that's what it kind of appears to me like it was purposely done and it was collapsed in on itself. Is that do you get that impression when you're there or am I completely off base with that? And it's OK to say that I'm completely off base. <laughs> no, I've been no. there before. So here's. Here's the thing is we brought what you saw on TV. We brought Jake Huffman out and mm -hmm. 
Jake has spent a career building oil well pads. Uh, and so he's done a lot of blasting, a lot of excavation. Um, he knows what he's talking about. And when you bring him out, we didn't front load him. We didn't ask him, hey, will you say this? We didn't tell him. Right. We didn't even right. tell him what we thought it was, right? Because we don't want to taint the pool. It kind of defeats the purpose of getting an expert's uh, opinion if you try to front load it and, and tell them what they should be thinking. So yep. we bring Jake out, and that's what he, he looks at it and says it doesn't look natural. Um, my problem is is I my, my childhood home growing up was in a mate – was up against the red rock mesa that's similar to what you see right here i grew up playing in the rock so for me i look at it it looks it looks just like what i grew up on so to me it looks natural because that's what i grew up on but when you're bringing people in that aren't used to seeing that and they're taking a, a fresh perspective outsider view of it uh -huh. i'm trying to think i think all the opinions that we've got from individuals is that it appears to be not natural so like it yeah. like it caved in like it was collapsed in so yep yeah it really does well good i'm glad i, I that's how the way i saw it and i was just i'm sorry i was just trying to get there's somebody spamming over here some bad stuff on youtube and i was trying to get rid of it real quick um but oh, nice. uh, anyway I, we're we only got a few more uh, minutes here and i didn't want to keep you too much longer but i did want to i just want to show a couple of things and then there's one i have to talk about real quick before we go uh but this picture here now you're down in there you're digging out some of the slurry and stuff you're putting into a bucket for and so you guys can finish going through the rest of the spoils which is obviously something you'd want to do but i had to laugh and i don't mind excuse me for wanting to laugh a little bit and make poke a little fun but you know you're down there you're in the trenches you're down there with the shovel but you're <laughs> relatively clean and then you see poor old Brian <laughs> <laughs> he's covered in this stuff and then you see, oh, there, you're, you're looking pretty good there. You're down in the hole talking on the radio. You're looking pretty good. And then <laughs> looks like a flock dragon. of seagulls. <laughs> oh, poor dragon. <laughs> I can tell you that the audio was definitely edited on that part. I mean, I'm down in there. He's holding the bucket for me. And I, you know, it's so sloppy. And I just threw it in the bucket. And the bucket just like exploded up. And uh, <laughs> uh, he he had some words for me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I couldn't help myself but to show that. I, I don't I, I don't like to make fun of anyone, obviously. But this was just this was just kind of funny. And poor poor Brian having to be the one to to wear that slurry around for the rest mm. of the day. Uh, oh my goodness, poor guy. Um, one thing that I really did, and then you guys went out to the triangle, and then there was a collapse out there, but. Uh, hopefully we get it. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you about tonight, and this goes back to an episode, uh, I think it was episode number six, um, actually, where you had, uh, and again, you mentioned about how Eric will stay late at night and go out and do experiments on his own, or he'll be watching hours and hours and hours of video, uh, which he wants his people to help with at skinwalker-ranch.com. But you know, watching these hours of video and then he comes up with something really cool for everybody to see the anomaly, the, the, the ball of white light anomaly that was seen at, at, uh, Homestead two floating around. It floated into, it came into frame. It floated around it. It wasn't like a balloon. It wasn't nope. going with the wind or anything like that. It was moving around purposely in areas. 
I got to tell you, that's one of the, to me, that's one of the best pieces of footage that I've seen that you guys have had. What is your impression of that? What was that all about? Yeah, that was definitely unique. Um, you know, got if you, if you go, back, go ahead. If you watch that clip, um, you see the typical, uh, we, we get hundreds, if not thousands of video clips and, and pictures from individuals on their ring doorbells or, you know, their surveillance footage with dust or pollen, which looks magnificent in IR, you know, the IR reflecting uh -huh. off of it. You go back to that clip, you can see the pollen and the dust and that blowing uh -huh. by um, the insects. Eric, if there's one person, look at this, it's Eric, because he's watched literally thousands and thousands of hours of this stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. And here you have this object. Um, like you say, it's not going with the wind because you can see in that, you can see the dust particles blowing by the camera. Um, and, and this thing's just kind of going back and forth behaving, behaving in its own manner. Uh -huh. Um, even, well, even, yeah, you know, it reminds me a lot of when we did the, when we did the experiment with the rabbi out there, um, oh, at the yeah, end of yes. that, yes, we, we had one little thermographic or thermographic, uh, anomaly that yep. quickly went through the screen that had no heat yep. signature. Um, this, this object right here is almost in that identical same place that we saw that anomaly. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So where this is at could have, could be almost the identical location of where we saw that with the rabbi. Um, it just is different angles. So this is coming more from the side. Whereas wow. with the rabbi, we had that camera set up more behind looking straight down. So, mm -hmm. um, but but almost the exact same location. Um, you know, yeah, it I stands out. Go, go ahead, please. Well, no, it, it just stands out because it's different than what we typically see. I know. And it's fascinating to me. I mean, this, this is remarkable. And again, I, I, I did capture a couple of seconds worth. I know we're, I, I'm not allowed to show more than like eight or nine seconds worth. So I, this is only five. And of course, it happens to catch uh, Brian at the end of it, <laughs> making a face, looking at it, just so the same kind of face I would have yeah. been doing. I didn't do that on purpose. I was just trying to hurry up and capture it. But uh, look at this thing move. I mean, hmm. it's moving on. It's moving with purpose. It's like it's looking for something. And it's just fascinating that it's able to do this. This and is, well, I think, it, it, and again, go ahead, please. Well, as you say, uh, I'll be careful here to to uh, say too much, but okay. uh, there will be more coming in the future that we can compare that to and and uh, see Whoa. if if there's some similarities. Um, wow. Now, whether that's whether that's on uh, TV, whether it's on the website, I you know I think still yet to be determined, right. but uh, it'll be. There's more coming. There's definitely an interesting region over there. Yeah. Okay. I tell you what. That's that's fantastic. And I and I really appreciate that. Um, boy, we probably didn't Jeff, get all the questions here. Jeff, I was going to ask. Uh, did you guys ever come up with an explanation for the light trail that that anomaly had? When you look at it, there's a small light trail. Is that a function of the equipment, or is that a function of the phenomena? That's a great 
question. Um, you see that? You know, that's, right that's one thing Eric's always trying to de decide, is, you know, because there's there's several different things that could be causing it. It could be uh, encoding, right? We, we see that where yeah. objects will go across and it, yep. it's yep. actually not the objects leaving a trail. It's just that that's the way that the software and the, yes, the encoding inside the camera is interpreting it. And, and there's kind of a lag behind it. Um, that's a great question. I don't know that I remember. We'll have to ask Eric. I don't know okay. if Eric came to determination whether what you're seeing there is a artifact of like encoding or software, or if in fact he felt like that may have been an actual trail. I, I don't remember the specifics on that on that one. Because it seems to me there was a moth also in that same video, and you weren't getting that from anything else but that anomaly. So see, that's that's that is exactly the right thing. Is what else do you see in there? Um, mm -hmm. This this <laughs> this happened beyond a couple hours ago, so my memory's a little bit fuzzy on it. But, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So that's why if, if in fact you see the moth go through and you don't see that, that would be one of the things that we'd be comparing it to. Are we seeing mm -hmm. that right. same kind of right. artifact with that? If we are, then it would suggest that that's a camera artifact. Right. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, that's definitely one of my top ones that I've seen uh, so far. Uh, that it's just fascinating that the, the and I and I, I just find it so fascinating simply because it looks like it's searching for something. It looks like something walking along and it's kind of looking around for something. And I don't see it over here. And then it turns and goes back around the other side of that that tree. It it wasn't yeah. a bug and it wasn't uh, just something floating in the wind. It stayed at about the same elevation the whole time. It was just kind of looking around. But that's uh, that just really blows my mind on that one. Um, there was a question about, you know, you guys mentioned about the cows. Um, and I think that, um, you know, you talk about them being biosensors, which is, you know, really cool because they are so sensitive to things happening. You've said it before yourself. And again, you got up on the fence that night as you've seen them all moving around. There was one that, uh, you know, when you have, a, you know, using them like for that for biosensors and then have, they have an issue like we saw the one have, mm -hmm. um, is that some, what happens at that point? Did that, you know, obviously the, the rancher came and cause those aren't yours. They're there on loan uh, to eat the grass and whatnot over there. But I mean, was that um, uh, he came and picked that one up and took it off the, off the ranch, I guess at that point. Right. That one that's yeah. what's protocol. With, yeah. What's well, protocol on it? Protocol is, is that, um, so we have an agreement with ranchers that run their cows on um, the ranch and mm -hmm. we we need the cows we live in a very hot and dry climate and even though mm -hmm. we're irrigating the land by by august september especially like last year if we run out of water by august you know we have all this tall vegetation that just turns brown and and gets dry we're now sitting on extreme fire danger of yep. something as simple as a cigarette spark lighting the place up so we need the cows here they help us keep place mowed down and keep it healthy i mean they, they serve mm -hmm. a vital function um yeah they they uh they do act as bio bio um sensors yep. now because of the history of the ranch with the mutilations that have purportedly taken place here um our agreement with them is is when they're leasing the place to graze their cows if a cow dies 
we have the authority to call in the vet and get a neocropsy immediately. Um, basically, that cow becomes ours if it dies because we want to be able to do a, a quick investigation and try to get to the bottom of it as fast as possible. Yep. Um, yep. In this case, you have a sick cow. As long as that cow is alive, it belongs to the farmer. And uh, and so our first our first and foremost thing is is we look. I'm every single person on this ranch is an animal lover. We all mm -hmm. I, wait. I got to think about this for a second before I misspeak. Um, yeah, I think every single one of us has pets, and we are like we we don't want to see any animal suffering. So PETA and, right. and all those animal advocates were right there with you. Like we never would intentionally want an animal to suffer so if we right. see a cow that's sick the first thing is is um to call the rancher and get him down here because at that point the vet bills and the, the medicine and all that fall that's an expense borne by the the rancher and, mm -hmm. and it's going to be their call what they want to do they also are the ones that know the backgrounds of these cows so you know, sometimes it, they might be here and be like, she's super old. Like I knew that she was going to, you know, I've seen this coming. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to waste the money on vet because she's just going to die anyway. So you put her down. Um, so we, we just call the rancher. We let the rancher come decide what the next course of action should be. In this case, you know, uh, Richard felt like it would be worthwhile to get her off the ranch and see if she makes an improvement up on on his own place um doctor her up and see if if she can make a recovery you know that's that's like a i, I don't know how much cows are going for these days but that's like a thousand dollar bill sitting right there so wow yeah yeah <laughs> we we want to see her we want to see her be okay <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah for sure um you have a one of the folks mentioned a website that you had and i've watched it before too but i can't remember the name of it at the moment where you're out on the ranch and you'll do um little videos while you're out there this is wasn't skinwalker-ranch.com it was something you had going on and i forgot is that are you still doing that when you're out like doing irrigation and things like that yeah so you know um one of the things that the, we, we've driven so much public interest with our going public with our investigation and sometimes I'll see things start popping up repeatedly on social media. In in one case, we had this cow that died that was black. And then next thing you know, in the next season, it's red. And yeah. right. And so then it stirs a whole bunch of controversy because people think that we took one dead cow and switched it with another. Um, right. Or uh, people just wanting to see uh, the scenes like you know, my typical night here on the ranch when I'm out here dating. So I thought uh -huh. that I would, I would share, you know, snippets with people. Uh, that was during the time we'd like to say, we've been advocating for this web portal as a, we, we wanted additional venues to get information out to people. The YouTube channel is something that I thought, well, that's, that's the way I could start sharing with people. Then we decided as a group that we were going to go ahead and get this website done, get it up and, and going. And so now, all future videos of mine and, and that will be, will be shared on our website. So okay. uh, I'm not saying I won't be posting on that YouTube channel with things that are not related to the ranch. Uh, but, but as far as ranch related, I'm, I'm putting everything on our website. So that'll be the go-to venue for people to go to. Yep. And I wanted to show that again real quick, too, for those of you who might have tuned in later. Uh, the, the website that we're talking about is uh, Skinwalker 
ranch.com and it's this one here it is uh, to be an insider uh, it does have a fee uh, associated with it um, but I in my personal opinion it's well worth it um, but you see all the different things that you can do here and you can actually watch live cam feeds of Skinwalker Ranch and help them and that's what Eric said when he was on earlier on the show here tonight he was in the first half hour or 45 minutes or so um, and he was talking about that very thing to come and help them to go through all of this video because there's just hours and hours and hundreds and hundreds of hours of this video that he wants to have help with. So that's what part of this is. And it's a great site, a lot of information here, of course, the uh, merch shop and all of that that's here as well. Um, like I said, I'm a member of it. I will continue to be a member of it. I paid for a whole year. Actually, I think I, <laughs> I went ahead and got the whole year, um, but it's really, it's really cool stuff. And if you're into this whole thing, uh, it's definitely a place you want to go and check out. So it's skinwalker-ranch.com. And then you go from there as you go along. And so we really appreciate the fact that now, you know, none of the other shows we've always asked for like Oak Island. We've always asked, why don't they put webcams <laughs> up there? You see what's going on now? They have. <laughs> so it's like, we don't ever get to see what's happening when it's just not, you know, other than the TV show. Um, one last thing I just wanted to mention was about the, the, uh, metal. Somebody had asked about the metal objects, uh, that were found there. They did take them over and they spoke with Dr. Ravi, uh, Chandran, a professor of metallurgy, uh, engineering at the Utah or university of Utah. And he had said that the metal fragments tell him that the samples look like they have been fused and that he was surprised to see, uh, magnesium and manganese. Uh, in there also. And then they talked about this with Travis and Eric and mentioned that this seems to be that something that's been fused together, uh, mm. like a thin sheet of glass. It th makes them think of glass. And then also the ceramic glasses being a ceramic type material that was used to protect the shuttle. It's the tiles that are being put on the show. That's not to say that these pieces were anything to do with tiles, but the material makeup is similar. And that's just wondering in itself that if is this some sort of a, well, we could speculate all day long of what the metal that they found. I really hope you guys get in there. I mean, I, I would be in favor. I mean, how could you do it? That giant Mesa, you start digging the rocks out and you're going to cause collapse. I mean, how in the world would you go about excavating that entire section? Is that on the table? Thomas, I'm going to put you on the, on the wire. Is that on the table? It's no. like the big dig for Skinwalker. Yes, the big dig for Skinwalker. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I, I don't mean to, but I, I just don't No, no. It, you know, it's funny. We 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 uh, we love Curse of Oak Island, but we really didn't ever see this. You know, it was one of those things coming in and having Prometheus be the producers. So Prometheus mm -hmm. also produces Curse of Oak Island. And right, we never. were so leery of ever becoming – we're, we didn't see that digging had a huge role and, and here we are finding this, this object in the hill. And there's part of me that's like, Oh, great. You know, here we go. Um, <laughs> but, but I wasn't trying to be dramatic in the show. when I said, this could be one of the biggest discoveries, not just on the ranch, but entire Una mm -hmm. basin, because yeah. we have, we, we have just pulled metal that is a hundred percent confirmed that is got this what seems to be unnatural or uh yeah unnatural makeup you know artificial artificially made makeup we're pulling it out of 300 feet inside the mesa um we have 
We have U.S. geological surveys that go all the way back to, I, I can't remember, like 1935 or a significant ways back. Uh, we've Eric has done very meticulous and careful analysis of what we're looking for is change, right? Anything that may appear to not have been different in 19, you know, 1930s or 40s or 50s versus what we see today. Um, and to, to be honest, I'm not seeing anything that screams change. So hmm. when you start looking at those surveys and then you're saying, well, I would expect if there had been a mining operation, you would see tailings, you would see some type of road, you'd see some type of, there would be some visible markings indicating that there was a mining yes. operation going there. Okay. If we're not seeing those in the U.S. geological surveys, these aerial surveys that are taking place every periodically, um, and, and we're going back that far, what, what does that mean? How, how did it get in there? What time period? Did it get in there? Gotcha. We've got a lot of questions. And, and at this point, <laughs> you can't disregard the facts that we just pulled this remarkable material out of the hills. So to answer your question, I mean, it, it's the glaring elephant in the room. We've got to figure out what's the next step on that. How do we tackle it? And no matter what we decide, we've got a daunting task ahead of us because oh, uh, we're, we're 300 feet into that hill and at least 80 feet deep. So, wow. yeah, what, what's going to be the best method? And uh, obviously, I, I, I guess oh, I could tell you there's a lot of discussion going on as to, you know, what, what's next. And you got about 2 million people watching the show that all got an opinion of how you should tackle this, too. So <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. <laughs> hey, Jeff, we have one last question from someone. Yeah, go ahead. Has, has Thomas ever seen a skinwalker? Someone had asked that. Or something uh, you would, or something that you would that's just an unexplained creature. Uh, I have had so I had an experience uh, with my wife. Um, it was it was during a time period of where I was out building some roads along the perimeter of the property. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the, the quick answer is no, I don't think I've seen a skinwalker, but we, I, I had taken her down towards the Southern end of the ranch to show her my progress. Of, yes. You know, I'm actually out here working, you know, I'm not just mm -hmm, mm -hmm, out, mm -hmm. uh, shooting degrees <laughs> out here, <laughs> proving to my wife, I'm actually getting something done out here on the ranch, uh, accounting for the, the hundreds of hours that I spend away from home over here. So we were down there and, um, it just rained. The ground was super muddy and soft and we were down, we were down in this wash and my wife said hey there's a there's a bunch of dogs up there on the ridge i looked up and there's the, there's look like pack of dogs and there are logs in the area you know there's a lot of mm -hmm. um tribal reservation dogs that are running around and uh and i always chase them off the property because i don't like them around the livestock and right. uh and so we immediately both of us run to the top of the hill. I was going to, I was going to chase them off. The strange thing is, is when we got to the top of the hill, there's absolutely zero tracks or zero what? trace of any dogs Whoa. being up there. Yeah. So, uh, wow. It didn't That's seem like wild. anything at the time. I mean, they were all very yeah. size, like they were all varying sizes and breeds. And yet we get right. up there in this muddy, in this muddy 
soil and not a single uh -huh. dog track anywhere where we not saw one so print, nothing. 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 Wow. Wow. Nothing. Unbelievable. That's uh, yeah. that is <laughs> that is unbelievable. Wow. That's that's mm. wow, that's crazy. Uh okay. What one one somebody did ask about the cow. Did that one cow we saw on the show, the one it was having that, that got taken off by the rancher, did it did it survive or did it succumb to its uh illness that it had? I, somebody was asking, <laughs> they wanted to know. Um this this is gonna sound really horrible. Um, but uh I've I've seen this question on social media and i've been thinking man i really need to reach out to him and see what took place <laughs> so uh I need so to not, so okay so we don't know. fate unknown no <laughs> yeah, fate unknown. to be okay. determined wow i tell you what yeah to be determined and uh, somebody was asking about the metal was it dated but i think we're going to get more information about that in the coming episodes yep uh, we kind of ran into a spot there where thomas may not be able to share because of what uh, has yet to be seen. We got two more episodes coming up. Uh, I am going to uh, uh, see if we can't uh, talk um, Mr. Winterton and anybody else that's on the ranch to come back at some point and talk to us again uh, after the show is completed. Uh, we'd certainly love to have that, um, have you back on. And Eric, if he has time, uh, he said he was really having a good time and we were loving having him here with you. And even Bryant or Caleb or anybody else. Uh, I know Travis is at home now. He's probably, unless you're filming, he's probably not there. But um, but we'd love to have any of the guys come on. And just to, it's it's so fun and informative uh, to get your perspectives because you are there. You're living it every day. Um, and we have so many questions about it. And it's just so mm -hmm. nice to be able to have you come on the show and share this That's with us. Amazing. It's been a fascinating two hours. And I just, I, I'm so appreciative uh, Thomas, of you uh, coming on today, uh, this evening, oh. and helping us out, really do appreciate. It. And tell Eric that we really we love having him on, and we're he please come on again with us at some point if you could. Uh, but I don't want to keep you any much uh, any longer on here. Oh, Eric, <laughs> he's back there working. <laughs> I, I I thought I thought he was off his call, but maybe he's still on his call. But yeah, I'll tell I'll tell him. And and maybe next time we can uh, we can schedule it up for a time when he can stay with us longer because uh, I, I love I love being able yes. to to yeah. uh, share the time with him. So, okay, guys. Yeah, and he's he's a great guy. We really do appreciate. It. All right, thank you very much, uh, everybody that's been watching. And if you're out there on YouTube, please uh, click on that subscribe button for us and give us a thumbs up if you like the content of our shows. Uh, and if you click on that notification bell, you get notified right away when we go live and uh, so you can come and join us. Again, thank you to Thomas Winterton and to Eric uh, to being, uh, being Eric Bard for being here with us tonight. John Edwards, thank you so much for being uh, my co-host. And Jan and Linda and Tom out there for helping out with the chat and get rid of that spammer that we had out there. Oh, my goodness. that's I hate that so much, but it happens from time to time. Again, everybody have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch you right here again next time on the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. Good night now. Hang out just a minute if you would, there.